Hi, this is Steve Nerlick, and this is Steve's PhD, episode 19. Holy heck, this is episode 19. How did that happen? Nonetheless, the last episode, 18, was recorded in early 2017, and a few kind folks have written in to ask what the heck's going on. So, here's a quick update. No, I haven't finished my PhD, and no, I haven't quit either. Let's just say 2017 wasn't the best of times. A bunch of stuff happened, mostly about work, although we did lose a family member in late 2016, which was a real blow, and okay, it was our dog, but still. Life can sometimes get in the way of any great endeavour, and sometimes it's best to let it get in the way. But putting the pathos to one side, here's a quick recap on the PhD. I'm doing thesis by publication, meaning that most of the actual thesis will be in the form of six published articles, plus an overarching framework document, which hopefully pulls it all together into a coherent story. It's still the case that only three of my articles are actually published, but Articles 4 and 5 have been accepted by their respective publishers, and I've signed off on the final proofs. So, unless an asteroid hits in the next few months, they're a done deal. Article 6 is maybe 60% done, but of course there is a big difference between 60% done and 90% done. 90% done is when you're doing all the myriad finishing touches to your article, double-checking your references, and meticulously formatting all your tables and charts. 60% done is when you've spent literally months trying to pull together a 6,000-word journal article, but it still looks like 6,000 words of blancmange salad. But not to despair. For anyone who wants to do a PhD, you will inevitably face a few blancmange salad moments. These are better than the blank page moments, and a whole lot better than those moments where you go through your old notes and find you typed all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy 1,600 times. Because we all know how that works out. And despite the blancmange salad, I really do have a plan for Article 6. And it's actually a good plan. I've already written five academically valid articles on interesting aspects of my topic, so now I'm thinking, wouldn't it be great to finish off by really nailing my topic with a conclusive statement that says, this is the answer. As I think we've covered several times in this podcast series, if you want a PhD, you'll need to generate 80,000 words of reasonably coherent and academically valid material. But, just as importantly, you'll have to be able to describe the whole thing in a paragraph as well as in a three-minute thesis presentation. So, my yet more evolved thesis, to be expressed in Article 6, is that to determine the value of studying abroad, you really need to determine how studying abroad contributes to a student's chosen field of study. So if they're studying arts and humanities, the value proposition is going to be one thing, but if they're studying science, technology, engineering and mathematics, 
the value proposition is going to be something quite different. Currently, a lot of research on studying abroad is centred on the notion that studying abroad provides a generic benefit to all students, regardless of what their core studies are. It's as though something magical happens once you're off the plane and past customs. But my thesis says surely what matters is what the heck you actually study while you're overseas, and it surely must matter whether that study program was a piece of crap or whether it was a rich and transformative learning experience. And it's not just about whether it's good or crap. It's also got to be relevant. Because again, surely studying abroad gives one thing to a science student that's different from what it gives to an art student. And that is what the article's about. If you accept that there can be good and bad study abroad experiences, and you want to know which is which then we have to start talking about evaluation. Evaluation is a tool that drives the evolution of a program or a project. And if it isn't, then it should be. So it's fair enough that you start with the idea of flying some young folks overseas and getting them to see the world. After all, travel does broaden the mind. But while it's okay to start out that way, all innocent and naive... There is an expectation that your program will become more sophisticated and targeted to student learning needs over time. So a good way to start an evaluation is to write down a list of what worked and what didn't so that next time the whole trip will go a bit smoother and maybe you'll have more time on your hands to take the young folks to a museum after class or to a cultural festival or just a quick bus tour to check out the architecture. Eventually, though, someone is going to say, hey, you're spending a lot of money sending those young folks overseas. What's it all for? You could tell them that your program is evolving, so that now you're not only doing classes, but also museum trips, cultural festivals, and even checking out the architecture. But still, you're going to get asked, what's it all for? And this is when you have to shift your focus from program evaluation to outcomes evaluation. But this is about where my supervisor pulls me up. I start talking about evaluation strategies and she starts slapping me around the head saying, no, you're doing a PhD. What's your theoretical framework? So Article 6 does have material and evaluation methodologies, but it doesn't dwell on them. There's now a dialogue about not confusing a pedagogy, that is a learning and teaching strategy, with an outcome, that is, a learning outcome, which is the knowledge and skills you retain at the end of a course, and also an employment outcome, that is, you got a good job on the strength of your knowledge and skills. There is evidence that students who study abroad get better final grades than students who don't study abroad. And there's evidence that students who studied abroad get jobs faster than those who didn't, and the jobs they get pay better wages, and are often in other countries. So, that is the brave new world I describe in Article 6. If you want your university and your government to keep your budget topped up, you'll need to come up with the goods. That is, real evidence that all this studying abroad malarkey results in graduates who are boosting the country's economy 
through international entrepreneurship and trade deals. And there are good examples where universities have put the effort in to get just this kind of evidence. It's true that you do want to capture students' initial feedback about their experience because it does matter that the experience is positive and that feedback will help you design a better program. But to keep your budget going, what you really want evidence about is how it improves students' long-term careers. And even that's not going far enough, because you not only need data about the students who did study abroad, you also want data from a control group of students who didn't. So, that's Article 6. There is some nuts and bolts stuff about evaluation strategies, including how you prove to the people holding the purse strings that investment in sending students abroad will deliver a return on investment. But also, to avoid getting slapped around the head by my supervisor, I'm throwing in some theory stuff about how study abroad is a pedagogy and not an outcome, which is actually the working title at the moment. A pedagogy, you may remember, is a teaching and learning method. So you should think of it as the approach you take to achieving a learning outcome, not a learning outcome itself. And once you start thinking that way, a whole new world opens up. Say you want to train up your physics majors to be able to work in the Large Hadron Collider or the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. Well, that's going to influence what kind of study abroad program you design for them. Or if you want to train up your visual arts students to be cognizant with the impact of refugee intake on contemporary art in Europe and North America, then that's going to influence what kind of study abroad program you design for them. And for either program, you'll want to evaluate the whole thing to see if it worked. So, that's it. The answer to my whole thesis. But for now, it's back to Beaumont's salad. Steve Nerlich, PhD candidate.